following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. Well, I am just so excited. We have with us uh, today Brad and Kim Campbell. They are the directors of Gather One, um, which is celebrating its 10th birthday this year, uh, which is exciting. And uh, Brad and Kim, I said this morning during worship that the, the song about just going wherever God leads us is their theme song. And that's because that's really their heart. And, um, you know, they have been in full-time missions ministry since 2012, and their kind of introduction to that was uh, in 2013, having to flee for the border with uh, children from their children's home to escape a war. And so they, that to me must have said, this is how this is going to go. <laughs> this, is, this is what we're doing. And so um, one of the things that I have so appreciated as we've gotten to know them is the courage that they have in just stepping into what the Lord is calling them to do and the faith that comes along with that. And so I just feel like we can expect an, a real impartation this morning of, of faith, of getting to hear what the Lord's doing, um, but also, again, that invitation for us. What does it look like for us to step wholeheartedly into what God's calling us to? It's not all going to look like what they're doing. Um, for some of you, it might. But I just feel like this is a season where the Lord is stirring us to the fullness of faith Amen. to really step into what he's calling us to do. And so I think their word this morning is very timely. And um, the other piece is we're just really excited to be getting to know them a little bit better. I believe they've been here maybe two times, two other times to share. Um, and so many of you may not be familiar with them, but... Um, they're just running in some things that are very close to our hearts, and we're just enjoying getting to know them. If you could just welcome them up as they come. It looks like Brad's going to start. <laughs> Bless you. you. Thank you so much. Okay. Good morning. Are we on? Are we on? Hello? Okay. Oh, this is great. Hallelujah. Um, thank you so much. That is just the greatest introduction um, I can imagine. That's I'm already feeling quite emotional, so we'll see how I do this morning. Um, if, if my wife has to bail me out, then you'll have to be ready. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting us, and thanks for being here. It's just um, it's a great pleasure for us. Um, we have been here a few times before. And um, it's always been really sweet, but each time that we come, it just seems like it gets a little bit sweeter, and we just get to know people a little bit more, and we've been spending some time with Pastor Dave and Susie, and that's always just a treasure. That's just a treat for us, so thank you for hosting and all of that. Um, great to be here. So I want to pray. Um, Father, thank you for the body of Christ. 
Thank you that we have brothers and sisters, your children, that we get to call family. We thank you for the body of Christ. Even your word says that the body of Christ is the church, which is the fullness of him who fills all creation. And I pray, God, today, not just through those that are speaking in a microphone, but through your body, Lord, that we would learn to become the full expression, the fullness of who you are throughout the earth. I pray, God, that there would be um, an awakening in our hearts to see and understand and to know you and to live without fear. God, we worship you and we honor you. I pray that you'd give an expression of your heart through us, through your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, as Pastor Renee has said, we have, um, Kim and I are celebrating 10 years in missions this year. And, you know, where we started, honestly, it's just, it really, I mean, Renee gave the best, you know, introduction to us that we could imagine. It really is, where we started is with a yes in our hearts. Um, Kim's testimony is incredibly powerful. Um, and I encourage anyone, if you have a chance, if you have a few minutes with Kim at any point, ask her to share her testimony. It's powerful. I cry every time I hear it. Um, mine is very different from hers. Um, but what happened in the two of us is that we have, because of the way that the Lord has moved in us and spoken to us and, and what he's done in our salvation stories is that he has um, solidified something in us to make us just all in. If you've, <laughs> if you've been around my wife for more than five seconds, you'll understand one thing. <laughs> She's all in. <laughs> She's fiery. She's tenacious, and she's all in for Jesus. And so in our 10 years in missions, and, and um, if you can cue up that video, um, we, we put together a, a video about what it, sort of the history of our 10 years in missions, but also the, um, the things that we've learned along the way, where we started and where we have come to. And... Um, since the filming of that video, there's a lot more that's already happened, so I'm probably going to share a little bit today about some of the things that will not be in those videos. So this is a little, uh, a little trailer that I made for, the, um, for our 10-year anniversary video. So if you can go ahead and play. When I met Jesus almost 25 years ago, I was wrecked. <laughs> it didn't take long for me to tell him anywhere he wanted me to go, anything he wanted me to do. I would do it. I moved with my parents and little sister to South Sudan when I was 17 years old. Years before, my parents approached us with this idea of moving to Africa, and my response was an immediate, heck yes, I wanna go. I wasn't about to miss out on that adventure. I was with them when we moved to South Sudan. I was 15 years old. Scared the bejeebers out of me. 
because everything we owned, our daughters, everything that was familiar, we walked out of that place and stepped on a plane and we had no idea. So I want to start off um, I'm going to go a slightly different direction than what I intended. <laughs> um, I'd like to start off uh, this morning uh, by honoring my father. I don't think I'm overstating the case to say that um, if not for my father, thank you, <laughs> that's helpful, <laughs> that'll help. Um, if not for my, my father specifically, but my parents in general, um, I, there's not, I'm pretty convinced that I would not be um, speaking to you today. Um, that's a, um, it's a story, I'll make it very short for now, but um, uh, my dad adopted me when I was very young. And um, it's hard for me to this day, it's, it's hard for me to think of him as an adopted father. This is my dad. <laughs> um, and I do want to say, one of the things that I realized is um, there's a lot to learn, especially from, from fathers and mothers. There's, there's a lot to learn. Um, a lot of it is, is unspoken. And um, what I learned from my dad, who um, could, have, could have chosen differently, could have made different choices. Um, he always chose my brothers and I. And that was, there was, there was never a question. There was no wavering in that. And part of that commitment takes root in children. I mean, kids watch everything, don't they? I mean, we know this. <laughs> So at some point, these things come out. Um, and so with that in mind, um, 
because that is such, a, such an important part of my story. It's part of my history. It's part of who I am today. And so with that in mind, I want to I shift gears a little bit and give a little bit of a snapshot of where Kim and I are today and, um, and how that relates back to the beginning of the story. So as of today, we have five mission bases in four countries plus the sort of the everyday administrative stuff that we do here in the United States. And we are overseeing four children's centers, housing 72 children. Uh, we have four safe houses uh, that are currently housing uh, a little, little more than 40 people. Um, and they are in safe houses because they have been persecuted for their faith for their faith in their, in their own country. So they've left, they've fled their country, they've gone to a second, uh, another place, and they're living basically in hiding uh, for fear because they are believe, believers in Jesus. Uh, there were as many as 63 people in those, in those safe houses. So sorry. Um, there were as many as 63 people in those safe houses. Uh, roughly 20 have moved on. They've been reloc relocated to, to safety. We'll just say that for now. Um, this is not where we started. We didn't start big. I think what, what happens a lot of times when you hear missionary stories, you hear these success stories and you hear these great things that have happened and, and the great things that people are doing and have done. And surely we glorify God in this. And there are great successes. There are great failures. There are great tragedies along the way. But we didn't start there. No one starts there. It never happens that way. And so, so how did we get here? And the short answer really is one step at a time. And I don't mean that to be a flippant, you know, oh, just one step at a time. I mean that quite seriously. Take it seriously before the Lord and, and, and decide in your hearts, who are you following? Who, who are you following? Who are you following or what are you following? Is it Jesus? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the Word of God? What are, you, what are you following? What are you giving yourself to? So one step at a time. I mean, you don't start out with a giant international ministry in, in several continents. You start out one step at a time. You're faithful with the, with the small things, and God will give you more. So... So I was, you know, in high school, I became interested in the visual arts. I became an artist. I did drawings, paintings, uh, eventually sculpture. I went to art school in Ohio. I won a scholarship to, to pay half of my tuition for the first two years of school. I started showing uh, paintings in art galleries in Ohio and um, in, in other places. Um, and I eventually moved to New York City. Uh, which, by the way, is where I came to faith in Christ. <laughs> um, that's just an amusing part of the story, and I'm not going to share too much on that. But 
that's where I came to faith. And there was, there was struggle, there was some success, there was trying to figure out how to leverage the success in the midst of the struggle and the failure and all of that. Um, uh, my idea after coming to faith in Christ, my idea is I'm going to be an artist that honors God with creativity. And that's, and that's what I'll do. Um, so, which is great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor God as creator. I'm creative. He's creator. We're, you know, we're doing some things together. This is good. And it, and it sounds good. And it sounds right. And then God did something unexpected. As he was leading me um, in various ways, he was leading me to quit the visual arts. And I, I, I didn't know what to do with that because it had become so much of my identity and so much of who I think that I am and I'm supposed to be that I'm, I'm an artist. I'm not a son of God. I'm an artist first and maybe that later. And so, and so now what do I do? I didn't realize how much I had insisted on identifying myself as an artist and identifying myself by my talent, my skills, and by what I, and by what I was doing. So years later, I read something in Nehemiah, and I'll, I'm just going to paraphrase. We won't look at it. But the book of Nehemiah is a fascinating and powerful story, and I encourage you all to read it. Um, but I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a synopsis in case you're not familiar. Um, Nehemiah was an Israelite. He was living in captivity. He, um, had been taking, he had been taken out of the land of Israel against his will. He had been taken to a foreign land by a foreign uh, king, and he was serving as a slave in, the foreign, in this foreign land. And what happened is while he was there living as a slave, he heard about the destruction of Jerusalem, his city. And the, and the walls were torn down, the walls were burned, the gates were burned, all of the protection of the city was just in ruins, it was an ash heap. And, and it disturbed him greatly. And so what ended up happening, and this is a very short version, um, this king that was his captor, I mean it was the one who had enslaved him, gave him permission to go back to Jerusalem, um, gave him letters that would give him safe passage, would give him rights to materials, would give him help. Um, everything that he needed was available to him. And so the king gave him this, and Nehemiah went back to, um, to, to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, which is, which is amazing. Um, chapter 3 is... I think where a lot of people sort of check out because it gets kind of boring, it just says, so-and-so built the wall from this section to this section, and that was his section of the wall. And then the next guy, the next family, built this section to this section, and that was, and it kind of goes on, and a lot of people sort of check out. There's some fascinating things that are buried in chapter three, and it jumped out at me one time when I was reading it. It's that um, there, there are mentions of, it says, there's so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, who was a goldsmith, built this section of the wall mentioned his occupation. And right after that, it says, and there was so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, who, who was a perfumer, and he built this section of the wall. 
And I thought, that's really interesting. Why is that, why is that important? Why is that even in there? And I started praying, and I started just sort of imagining, how does this conversation go? Here's this guy who's got authority of the king. He's got all the money, all the resources, all the, all the everything to do to, to build this thing and to make it happen. And now he's got, he needs a workforce. He needs a team. And it's like, okay, so tell me about yourself. What do you do? You're a goldsmith. You're making fine you're making finery, you're making expensive plates and bowls, maybe you're making jewelry, rings, little gold chains, little intricate, beautiful things. That's awesome. Today, however, we're building a wall. We're not looking for recipes to make people smell nice at the end of their work day. That's not, that's not what we're doing today. And that's not what we have for you as a perfumer, that you're not going to contribute that to our team. That's not what we're doing. We're going to build a wall. In or out. That's how I sort of imagined the conversation going. Like, are you, are you, are you building with us or are you not? Because we're not doing what you're doing. If we're going to protect this city... And if we're going to do the will of the Lord, this is what we're doing. And I guess we know what they decided. <laughs> they were in. So I think that's fascinating. They went to work and their names are written in the Bible for all eternity. I mean, that's just, is that awesome? Because Why? because they put their hand to what God was already doing through someone else. That's something for us to chew on. That's a key. Sometimes God will invite you into things that you were never trained for. And obedience is the key. And I'm going to make a point with this. Obedience is, is a major key in doing the things that you were never trained for. I, I'm not a stonemason. I'm not an iron worker to fix the doors and to fix the bars on the, on the gates. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, make, I make gold chains. Well, you're not trained for this, but you'll be ready. So this is, and this is why obedience is so important. And I'm going to read something that it's a, it's a very common passage that we, that we like to talk about in terms of missions. And I, I hope that we'll take a different view of it. This is uh, Matthew 28. Um, starting in verse 18. So... This is the last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, and this is, you know, Jesus has been crucified, he was buried, he was resurrected, you know, the disciples are, are hopeless in a lot of ways, and so Jesus appears to them, and this is, this is what he says. 
Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came and talked with them. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm going to read that again. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, this verse 20 is very important, I want to highlight this, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you to do. And remember, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. I want you to think back um, to various jobs you've had, various things that you've done here and there. Um, can you imagine speaking to your boss and your boss is saying, hey, I need, I need you to go and take care of this. I need you to do that today and we've got to have that done before this afternoon because we've got these other things lining up. And can you imagine your response? Do you, how, how do you think it would go if you said to your boss, you know, I'm not really feeling led to do that right now. I'm not really feeling called to that. Now, your boss has a certain measure of authority because they have, they have authority within the company or within the business or within the structure of the thing that you're doing, right? There's a certain authority that's there, and the boss does have authority to say, hey, I need you to do this, and you need to do it or you're going to lose your job. That's not the same kind of authority that Jesus has because the, there's a very limited authority in a company and it's limited to the time that maybe that you're on the clock because your boss doesn't necessarily have a right to call you at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, do this thing right now. Hey, I'm sleeping. I'll get to it tomorrow when I wake up. I mean, there's, there's a limitation to the authority. Jesus says, all authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. There's an immediate instruction. Go. Into all the nations and make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. And then he tells you what that means teaching them to observe or to do everything that I've, that I've told you to do. And so, so that leaves very little room for excuses. We can't say, well, you know, this is, you know, I mean, we're not going to be like, you know, Peter, James, and John. Well, if, we're, if, if all of the disciples who make disciples who make disciples that are supposed to be doing exactly the same things that Jesus taught the, the first 11 to do, then we should be doing those things too. And one of those things was to go and to make disciples. And so... I want to tell a little bit of a story about one of our 
South Sudanese kids. So Kim and I, we answered the call. We went to Africa. We really didn't want to. We originally said no. We went on a short-term mission trip. And I've told this story before, and um, you can watch this in the, in the video if you see those videos. But we were invited on a short-term missions trip to Africa, and we just said no. We didn't pray about it. We didn't think about it. We just absolutely refused because we didn't want to go. And then we did pray about it, and it, we did ask God to send us a sign that we were to go or to not go, and he sent us a sign, and then we had to, and, or, or we can be disobedient. Do you know that's always a choice that we can make? We can always choose to disobey. You know, Jonah did. Jonah had the word of the Lord, and God said, go to this place at this time, say these things, and he said, I'm out, I'll see you, and went another way. So we always have that choice. So I want to tell you about, you know, after we said yes and we've, we made our long-term commitment and in 2012 we started in South Sudan and there was a, a young kid that, that came to us and um, for the sake of time, I'll, I'm going to cut out a lot of the details of the story, but he was 15 years old when he came to us and he was always a sweet kid. He really was. Um, he was always helpful. He was always respectful. He was, um, he was always humble. Um, if I had to correct him on some things, you know, if I said, hey, which one of you boys did this? He would say, that was me. If, you know, if he did something wrong, he'd, he'd own up to it. He was awesome. And we're always trying to get our kids to think more than today. And that's one of the issues in the culture is there's not a lot of future planning. And so people are kind of just living for the day, trying to get the food they need for the day and, and just live for the day. And so we try to get our kids thinking about the future. What do you think the future could be? What would you like to do? If, there was, if you could do anything, what would you do? And what Panam said to us from the time he was 15 years old, he said, I want to do what you guys are doing. He said, I want to take care of kids. He said, I know there's a lot of suffering in my country. And I want to learn to do what you guys are doing so that I can help kids too. Just want to draw attention again to where I started this with my dad. <laughs> my dad never gave up on us. Could have, could have made other choices. Biologically, we weren't his kids. But that's not what he said. And it's not how he behaved. So I've learned a few good things from my dad. <laughs> so... Panama always wanted to take care of kids and help kids. And he's been with us now for 10 years. He's 25 years old. And over the course of those 10 years, he saw Kim and I struggle with all kinds of things. He saw a struggle in relationships. He saw a struggle within the culture because the cultures are so different. It's like you're living on another planet sometimes. Things don't make sense. He saw a struggle with uh, the food. He saw a struggle financially. He saw us struggle with 
our kids that needed discipline or that are struggling in education. I mean, he saw us do all these things and he saw the successes also. He saw where we had breakthrough. He saw what worked. He saw what didn't work. He saw our faith expressed. He saw us pray. He saw us reading the Bible. We would lead them in prayer and worship and, and Bible stories and those kinds of things. But he saw us doing these things, and he saw these things for 10 years. So he saw how we handled successful moments. He saw how we handled failures. He saw how we handled difficulties and struggles. This is, this is what he's seen for, for 10 years. He saw us, he saw whether or not we were true to our word. He saw whether or not we were, we were honoring God. He saw whether or not we were honoring our faith in Christ. He, he saw this. He saw how we walked this out. And he's a, and he's a good learner. Um, so Ponham eventually graduated from high school a little bit later than we would have expected in our country because his education was uh, really delayed because of various wars and various situations that he had growing up and especially before he came to us. Um, he's definitely had some bumps in the road. Um, but today, he is married and... He and his wife have agreed to oversee one of the children's centers that we are operating in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and they're doing that today. So, and we just thank God for that. That's just such a huge, huge success for us. Um, they're managing all the day-to-day -day operations. They're doing Bible studies. They're doing prayer. And... They, wanted to, they want to go back to, eventually, they want to go back to South Sudan, which is his home country, and begin a new work there, helping kids. So, discipleship is a long-term investment in people during which you teach and demonstrate what it means to follow Jesus and there's also an, a built-in expectation that they're going to make disciples. Yeah. That's discipleship. And this is the success of our son, Panem. He's at the beginning of his dream. And we are <laughs> we're just so proud of him. Um, and I don't want this only to be just a heartwarming story about, about a success with one kid. Um, it's, it's actually, it's also an invitation. I always want to turn this around and see how does, this, how does it apply to you. Um, it's an invitation and a call to action. Our job, all of us, as believers in Jesus, our job is to make disciples. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth, go and make disciples. That's our job. It doesn't mean you have to go to a foreign place necessarily because in another passage, he said, start right here. Just start where we're standing right now and then move out from there.
one thing that's really important is that if you don't know how to make disciples, it may mean, it may mean first becoming a disciple and then learning how to make disciples. What does that mean? How do you walk through life with someone? How do you, how do you find someone who's a, who can teach you how to follow Jesus? Um, so, oops. I'm going to wrap up here in a minute. So um, can you put up, there was a slide, there was one slide that we had that I meant to put up earlier, but I didn't. Um, and I want to just ask the question, what, is this, what does this look like for, for us, for our ministry, for where we're going? Um, in order to move forward, we need prayer. We need believers who, who know God, who trust in Him, who hear from God, and who know how to pray. Um, you can join uh, prayer teams. Uh, we have set up a, a new system for prayer that you get real-time prayer requests from our people that are on the field in Africa, in Central Asia, and, and in other places. And um, so that's one of our greatest needs is prayer, and it's an investment on your part, and we understand that, we're, and we're grateful for that. Um, so you can contact us if you want to join a prayer team. Um, uh, monthly, we are committed to rent, food, clothes, school fees, school supplies, and medicine for 72 kids. That's the, that's the current need, and we're looking to expand the capacity for that as well because we have more room in some of those locations. And, so, and we also have rent and food for four of the safe houses. So I'm sharing that just to say that we have operational needs monthly. And because a lot of people think that, you know, as missionaries, what we generally need are plane tickets and lodging when we get there. It's not that. We've committed to take care of children, and that, that's been ongoing monthly um, for years, for 10 years now. Uh, we are planning to build a children's center in Ethiopia, and in South Sudan, we need a, a fence to go around the perimeter. That would be a first step. Um, we need to establish offices with office furniture as we get registered in various locations. So in, in Central Asia and in Ethiopia, um, we're putting together offices there for the official governmental requirements. Um, and then volunteers. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, we are looking for people willing to give themselves to the work of the Lord in foreign fields. And currently we have three locations uh, in Africa and two locations in Europe for long-term work. And uh, those are not light commitments. Those are not small things, as, and, and, and we know that. Um, but I want you to be sincere in your heart and pray and see if the Lord would lead you into a long-term expression of, of the Great Commission. So, I think that's it. We also, we have a table outside, table out back, and um, uh, there are some photos, there are some books there. Everything is for uh, a free will offering. Um, if there's something that you really see that you love and would want to have, um, but you don't have any money, just take it. 
it's, it's free will offering. It's we want to just make everything available. So, um, so, and ask us about the book that's out there because that's an awesome story that I'll tell another time. So, you want to? Okay. So, thank you again. Oops. Am I on? I'm on. I'm on. And the pastor said I could do this, so. <laughs> you may be sorry later. What I wanted to say to you is, and, and we've heard it said before, but it's such a true application that fire will not fall on an altar that has no sacrifice. And you heard my husband say we had no intent to go. We were quite happy and quite comfortable where we were. And the thing that is lodged within us in the Holy Spirit is that tenacity that, that Brad was talking about, and it's inside of each and every one of you because you have the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God doesn't give up. Because once you decide to give up, you may be two seconds short of your miracle. And so many times we carry that hope and that expectation for ourselves, but we have reached a place in history where we have to carry that expectation for other people, for other nations, for people who have never heard the name of Jesus. Because he's not coming back until they do. And I'm asking you, what is your altar? <laughs> when are you willing to crawl up on that altar? Because I believe that God wants to put a holy boldness on his people. And now is the time. We could leave it to the younger generation, but it's going to take the generations. You need what we have, and we need what you have. And we link arms together. We link arms denominationally. We're now the body. We're now the body. And I can feel the fire that is in this room right now is resonating within each and every one of you. And you just start with the one. That's all you got to do is start with the one. Ask the Lord today, who is the one that I need to reach out to, that I need to pray for, that I need to encourage? And you start there. And you never know what nations are going to open up to you. Where's the man that gave us that prophetic word? Bless your heart, brother. Because I've been waiting for a sign, and you're a sign. <laughs> And anybody that wants to go with us, we're ready. You can meet us out back. Ah, thank you, Lord. Uh, so, um, we, we are preparing to answer the invitation today. And I just want to remind you again, it's to... Um, to press into what the Lord's saying to you through this. We, it's so hard to, to say, you know, here's what God's doing and now we're going to close and we're all, you know, going to go greet one another. But I want you to take this with you to the prayer room this, this week. Take it there tonight. We're going to be here for prayer tonight, but to your own prayer room. This question, even this charge from Kim and Brad 
What is your altar tonight? What needs to go on the altar? Uh, what are the things that, that the Lord is asking you to put on the altar? And, and what does your yes look like in this season? What is the yes that he is stirring in your spirit where you just go, everything else is empty but this? And uh, that's what we want to be responding to. I'm just so grateful for what you guys sowed into us this morning. I'm grateful for the ministry of the Father this morning, even as you honored your dad. And as you shared about how that seeded into future generations as well, um, we're going to continue to talk about the Father and connecting to the Father next week and how that connects us to identity, how it connects us to inheritance, and how it connects us to influence. And it was good to be reminded this morning that the influence we're meant to have is based on the charge that Jesus gave us to go and make disciples. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.